It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. You know, I'm the talent. Right, of course. Except I'm the talent. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Over 88,966 fans at Lucille Stadium. Gonzalo Montiel can win the World Cup for Argentina with this kick. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com, podcast free every day. I'll be on the panel with Brett Baer tonight, coming up in the next hour. That's on Special Report Fox News Channel around 6.40 p.m. Eastern Time. Hope to see you there. That was the call on Fox Broadcast Network yesterday of the World Cup final. Argentina defeating France in penalty kicks, which I do think is a strange way to decide an event of this magnitude, like having a shootout for the Stanley Cup, for example, would just feel wrong, which is why they have the sudden death overtime rule in the NHL, which I think is very dramatic and very stressful if you have a rooting interest in the Stanley Cup playoffs in hockey. I have made my position pretty clear on soccer. I watched a little bit of the Team USA games, rooting for them. Once they were out, I kind of lost interest. I did see that Argentina was up 2-0 at the break yesterday. And so I was doing some work. I decided to flip it on in the background. And shortly after I turned it on, France got a penalty kick goal, if I'm using that term correctly, to make it 2-1. And then seemingly in the blink of an eye, they tied it up with another goal. It's like the most things happening I've ever seen in soccer in such a short period of time. My biggest complaint about soccer, it's not that I have a short attention span or I'm just not sophisticated enough to understand how wonderful soccer is. I just think it is way too uneventful. And also so much drama from these guys and the flopping and and all of it. But what was great about this World Cup final is it was eventful. A lot of things happened, and it was exciting. So it was 2-2. There were some huge chances for both sides. Then it went to extra time, and Argentina scored. And for half a second, I thought it was over. But no, it's not sudden death, so they were going to play on. But it seemed like Argentina, again, was very much in the driver's seat until France tied it up. Two goals in extra time, one aside. I mean, that is definitely entertaining. Action at both ends, a couple big saves and defensive plays. I'll admit it was exciting. Then it went to this, again, I think kind of lame penalty kicks thing. And the French just didn't get it done. The Argentinians, if I recall correctly, didn't miss. And they brought home the World Cup. And I saw some drone footage of the celebrations in Buenos Aires. I mean, my goodness, where it's basically a national religion down there. actually went to Argentina years ago on vacation and went to a soccer game just because that's what you do. 
I think the team was called Boca Junior or something like that, and it was fun and exciting to be at a live event. Just transferring that level of passion onto the whole country on the biggest stage in soccer, it's definitely exciting for them. A lot of disappointment in France, although they won it last time, four years ago. And I just had to admit, as not a soccer fan, if you are going to grab my attention and keep it at least for part of one game, this would be the way to do it. So I watched with actual interest. And then the game was over, and I flipped over to American football, and I probably won't think about soccer again for four years. But at least the last impression left by the action on the field in this World Cup season, in my mind, was a positive one. Even Quiet Wyatt, not known for his fandom of sports, I would imagine actually he probably calls it sport, while leafing through the Wall Street Journal in his cardigan, even he found the game compelling. Wyatt, you texted the group about it, and I was surprised, given the source. Yeah, I mean, it was an exciting game. It really was. I turned it on right when uh, France scored their first goal, and then, like you said, they scored again right after that, and then it got all tied up, and it was just a really good soccer game. I've watched lots of soccer games in my time, believe it or not, going to my siblings' soccer Oh, when your siblings play, yeah. But this was a good game, and it's nice to watch a good game of soccer because, like you said, sometimes it can be a little boring, but this was yeah. this was a good final. And I would say at the very end, with all the pressure on, so the guy on France, their big superstar, he scored all of their goals. He had a hat trick. I mean, what a performance. You can't blame him for that loss. And then Lionel Messi, I think he's generally regarded as the best player in the world. I don't know if he is a runaway favorite in the GOAT category, like greatest of all time. I don't know enough about soccer. But for him to get the World Cup and bring that home, I think was very emotional for him. And just the amount of pressure, not just in the stadium with whatever, close to 90,000 people watching, but dare I say billions of people around the world maybe watching? Probably certainly over a billion. I mean, the, the TV ratings globally for this have to be enormous. Dan is our actual soccer fan here. Dan, do you know what the ratings are? Am I wrong to say billion plus, maybe billions? I don't know the exact numbers, but I think you're in the ballpark. I mean, soccer is just huge around the entire world. Um, I was one of those billions watching on um, yesterday. And I was thinking about you because when Argentina went up 2 no- to nothing, I was, you know, this is kind of boring. I turned out, I tuned out a little bit. And then they came back, France came back, and I was like, I hope guys watching right now, because I really, this is the exciting soccer that I was been talking about the entire time. So I was very excited to have an exciting game for you. I'm not a huge fan of the penalty kicks at the end. It's kind of like a waste when you... By the way, just to, just to interrupt you, yeah. I did a little bit of Googling. It looks like over a billion for sure, and possibly billions, based on the 2018 numbers is what I'm looking at but that sounds my guess is we'll get the final numbers at some point just a massive massive audience no it, it was definitely exciting uh if you're going to have a world cup final with a lot of people watching you want it to have like flashes of thrills and agony and close calls it had all of those things maybe you can answer this question is messi considered right now the best player in the world and is he in the discussion for greatest ever? 
So this, people are saying, solidified him as the best of all time because he was chasing this World Cup win that he hadn't had. And so right now, I think people are saying he is the best of all time, kind of like the GOAT Got in it. the world of soccer. I've actually seen him play. So for someone who doesn't like soccer, I'm now admitting to having gone to a number of soccer games, although I think I've now exhausted both of my examples. I was in Chicago a couple of years ago, and what do they call it, the America's Cup or something like that? It's sort of the North, Central, and South American version of the World Cup, just more regional. And Argentina was competing, and it was at Soldier Field in Chicago, and Messi scored a hat trick, and I was there to see that. So that was pretty cool. Now he's got the World Cup, maybe the cherry on this Sunday of an incredible career, with I guess the soccer maven saying he's now the GOAT. Meanwhile, while I enjoyed the game, I did not have the same sort of visceral reaction as I did watching the unbelievable conclusion of the Patriots-Raiders game in Vegas for the weekend. So it's not even that big of a game. Neither of the teams are really elite or that good. But, you know, all regular season NFL games have significance. And the game was tied. New England had the ball with time expiring in the fourth quarter. It seemed destined for overtime. New England ran a play. The ball carrier actually was making pretty good headway. Gotten, I believe, a first down. But it was now zeros on the clock. So he decided that the only chance they had to win in regulation was for him to lateral the ball back to a teammate to see if that person could then run toward the end zone. So the first teammate caught the lateral, had nowhere to go, decided to launch another backward lateral to another teammate to go sort of on the other side of the field toward the end zone. I suppose that was the intention. But this lateral was extremely ill-advised. It was intercepted by the Raiders. And the Raider defender sprinted the opposite direction into the end zone for a game-ending, effectively sudden-death touchdown with zeros on the clock. Their team didn't even have the ball. And there were zeros on the clock. And the score was tied. And yet they won because of an intercepted lateral that made absolutely no strategic sense whatsoever. And you can just hear it. This was a call on Fox. So the soccer call was also from Fox. This was a Fox broadcast in the NFL I think it was Kenny Albert on the call, and you could hear the absolute shock in the voices of the announcing crew and just the bedlam among the fans out in Vegas. I'm not sure I or anyone else has seen an ending to a football game quite like this. Cut 23. Uh, Stevenson well, is, anyone gonna is inside the 30, flips it back. Stanford band nowhere in sight. Uh-oh. It's picked off. Uh-oh. Oh, no. Unbelievable. Oh, wow. Incredible. Chandler Jones takes it in and wins the game for the Raiders. Have you ever seen an ending like that I've never seen anything like that. I have no idea why he was doing that. Oh, my goodness. Surreal. It's just crazy. So I went, I went nuts, and I didn't really have a strong rooting interest. It's like, see, this is the football that I'm actually a fan of. And then my Giants went on to beat Washington here in the DMV area last night. Uh, 
well, questionable call at the end, or lack of a call. People wanted pass interference. I say it's a good non-call as a Giants fan. Objectively, I don't know. Not so sure, but hey, it's a W. And uh, thus concluded another thrilling Sunday of NFL football. And I'm sure Christine was riveted as a hardcore NFL fan. At least she was for a few weeks. Christine, did you catch the end of that game? I actually did, and it was shocking. I kept saying to Bobby, what are those boys doing? What's happening? And he's a Pats fan. Oh, did he melt down? Yes, yes, he definitely <laughs> melted down. It was it wasn't great for him. I could. Oh, it just it seemed like how how could that have just happened? But it did. That's why we love sports here. We don't do a ton of sports on the show, but from time to time we bring it up. Had to revisit the soccer question, and then finish with a better sport: American football. Out of time for now. Back here tomorrow, same time and same place on the radio. TV tonight, special report. See you there. It's the Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Thank you so much for listening. GuyBensonShow.com is the website. Podcast is free every day. And so before the break, I teased that producer Christine and I, just by coincidence, Both were watching the same show on Netflix, and we were talking about it on the planning call for the show, and it came up, and I mentioned that Adam and I had watched it. She jumped in and said, oh, I've binged the whole thing, and literally at the exact same moment, we gave our opinion of the show, and it was exactly the opposite. Christine said, it's so good, and I said correctly, it is not good. The show is The Recruit, streaming on Netflix. It's about a CIA lawyer, like a brand-new CIA lawyer who stumbles into this massive international intrigue. And on paper, theoretically, this is right up my alley. A spy show set all over the world, lots of action. I love this type of thing. I'm sad to say... And I regret to inform you that I do not love the recruit. The recruit cannot figure out whether or not it's an action show trying to portray a life of espionage and spying and intelligence work in a serious way, or if it's a comedy, or if it's gritty, even gruesome at times. It kind of bounces around. And to me, it never really has a tone that consistently makes sense. I don't need it to be super serious, although I will say for this type of thing, this type of show, movie or TV series, I like realisticness. I like grittiness. For example, I'm watching a show right now called Slow Horses on Apple TV, which is about British MI5, which is their domestic security service and intelligence service. And it has a humorous component. Gary Oldman's character is just fantastic. His insults are amazing. But ultimately, it's a serious show. And you can suspend disbelief here or there. And you can occasionally say, like, all right, maybe there's a plot hole here. or That person isn't acting the way that they probably would or should. But I'm willing to get past that. Slow Horses, overall, I would recommend. Whereas 
the recruit is so ludicrously unrealistic that I just can't get past it. I can't get lost in the show. I can't really enjoy the show. It has its moments, and they've got a big budget, so there's a bunch of shoot 'em up bang-bang stuff, and, I mean, that's all fine. But ultimately, I don't know that much about the intelligence community and how the practitioners of intelligence operate, but I've read enough good spy novels. I mean, the OG and greatest of all time is John Le Carre, and I've read a bunch of his stuff. Of course, Brad Thor, our friend, Daniel Silva. I'm a connoisseur of this type of thing, this genre. I can get a sense of what is at least plausibly realistic versus what is not. And I would imagine anyone who actually works, even attached to the intelligence world, would watch this show and want to pull their hair out at how preposterous it is. So from the giant, unrealistic, flapping red flags all over the place, and just really dumb, small lack of attention to detail that makes it even less believable in completely frivolous ways. Like, that stuff bothers me as a viewer. Maybe some viewers, they just sort of, like, watch the whole thing as brain candy. They don't really care. They don't pay attention to this. But if I'm trying to transport myself into, like, a spy versus spy type situation, if there are big plot holes and small details that are just bungled in a way that it just takes me out of the moment, then I can't really enjoy it. So we did watch the whole thing. I was not sure I was going to continue watching it after our first several episodes, but Adam asked me to. We were actually sort of enjoying making fun of it together, especially with some friends in a group text. Then I knew that Christine loved the show and had already finished it, and I said, okay, I'll use this as show prep and I'll finish the show. So we finished it last night. It's eight episodes. Those are eight hours I'm not getting back. And I can tell you right now, season two, if they have one, is not something I'm going to watch. Like, they tried to set up a big cliffhanger, which I predicted, by the way, at the very end. And I just care so little about where the show is going that I will not watch season two of The Recruit. And I am not here to tell you that you should invest eight of your precious hours in the show. Whereas producer Christine, who has excellent taste, as you know, in everything, she loves the show. It's like her favorite show of all time. Now she wants to be a spy, she says, hoping that we'll forget that she was a trained spy. She knows what real spying is like, indoctrinated as a KGB operative many decades ago. That's a separate side note and a backstory and an inside joke that perhaps you can delve into in the archives of the podcast if you'd like to. But she is now, she says, suspicious of everyone around her. She thinks her apartment building is filled with foreign spies. And now she's thinking about leaving talk radio altogether and again throwing her hat into the ring of international espionage. And if there's anyone who's cool and calm and collected and worldly enough to be a successful spy, it's producer Christine, which is why she loves the recruit perhaps the least realistic spy show I've ever seen in my life. Christine, uh, please give us your endorsement of this show. 
Wow, God. <laughs> um, it definitely, because I do have a love of international espionage, so definitely, you know, piqued my interest when I saw it on Netflix and I watched the trailer. I loved it. What I'm going to say to you is I think you were looking for way too much in this. You were probably looking more for like a Homeland type thing, correct? Did you like Homeland? I liked some seasons of Homeland. Other seasons were just too ridiculous. So... I watched the first few seasons and I liked it. Same thing. I just, I, I got lost. I'm sure you're not surprised. Um, so what I think about like this season is like, one, season one of Homeland loved was it, so loved good. It. Yes. All right. Totally. So we agree on that. Mm -hmm. What I think I liked about this was they didn't go too far into the violence where like I had to turn away or I couldn't watch or I got scared. They didn't have anything so traumatic that like I was gonna like not be able to sleep and they didn't have anything too sexual because I'm very prudish with that I don't like that stuff on tv so like I think it was so in the middle but I think it was good for they they were trying to bring people like me in but I think at the same time they were trying to pe bring people like say Bobby who we could watch this together he might laugh about it he did and then he really didn't watch that much of it with me but I think that was the goal here was to kind of like bring couples together to watch it I think they nailed it Owen Hendricks the the main character is what a cutie cute he just kept me and I just loved his quirkiness about him and the relationship he had with Max I don't want to ruin too much but the ending was so shocking to me like I legit gasped I couldn't believe it and I just cannot wait for a season two and on Rotten Tomatoes, it's getting a great rating. And a lot of the articles that I put on your rundown for you to read, um, they they said it was it was a hit. Yeah, so some of the reviews that I've seen have been much less kind. They think that the main character is miscast, which I actually agree with. I don't really love the character. He seems perfectly fine. I know nothing about this guy. Um, I'm not even sure I agree with your assessment of cutie cute, but that's, you know, that's much more subjective. The big twist at the end, I think we started to figure out two episodes earlier when that other character was first introduced. I'll just put it that way. And the thing is, like, I'm fine with something that is silly and spy. Like, what's that series of movies? There's now been, I think, two or three of them. The Kingsman, right, which is just ridiculous. They lean all in on the ridiculous in that show. Whereas this one tries to have it both ways and I think doesn't really achieve either one that well. And then the other thing is just like, I know this is going to make you roll your eyes, but there were just a few little things where like someone gets a business card and then dials a phone number and they dial the number way too fast in a way that no one would be able to do. It's not enough digits that they dial for it to be a valid phone call and they just sort of move on. It's like, can't you just make that slightly more realistic? At one point, there's a scene where there's sports on in the background, and the fake sports broadcasting in the background is just so terribly unrealistic and ridiculous that it just, like, sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like a giant red flag. This isn't real. What about the character who wants to be a political pundit and is built like a multimillion-dollar TV studio in her house just to practice in front of no one? and doesn't actually go on television, that, like, is, like, I know how much all that costs, because we have one at the house, much less nice than hers. That was crazy to me. There's a scene, Christine, at a bar, 
this is like an area where you're an expert. Someone goes oh. to the bar, orders a cocktail, and the bartender just hands them an elaborate cocktail two seconds later, which is not how it works. Just like little things like that drive me crazy in a show where I'm already not really loving it for other reasons. That just puts me over the edge as becoming hostile. And then just like some of the some of the developments, and I don't want to give any spoilers, but like you know that doing X, Y, or Z is a terrible decision and a very dumb idea. And you're like, does this lawyer at the CIA have any training whatsoever in like basic security practices? And the answer, I guess, for the plot is no, but that's also just not how it works. I can't get past it. I'm sorry. I understand why it's sort of a fun little romp for a lot of people. I just can't do it based on my taste. Can I just say one last thing? Um, you I did. I did sympathize very much with the main character, Owen. There's one scene. I don't want to give a whole bunch away, but there's one scene where he's in a different country, and they, he was trying to get to a bank to get some money out of an account, and he completely messed up the time difference of when he needed to be there. I too, Guy Benson, have once messed up a international interview for you with yeah, the time I do difference. That. And yeah, but that I, wasn't. I, that was like relatively low stakes compared to this screw up and that wasn't even his worst screw up like we can talk off the air about some of the more absurd things that happened in the show but the bottom line is i'm a no christine's a yes dan has now started watching this show with his girlfriend all right dan i guess you can break the tie so I went into it. I usually agree with Guy on movies and shows. Like, we have the same similar style that we like. Like, I love Slow Horses and the Jack Ryan series and all that. Love them. I hate to say it, but I'm agreeing with Christine. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It is ridiculous. It's goofy. I mean, there are so many inconsistencies that are so stupid. Like, you can't just go to Yemen just to go to Yemen at a black site. <laughs> Like, come on. Yeah, like, he flew yeah. he flew commercial to Yemen <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> with no guidance from the CIA as a CIA employee. Like, come yeah. on. It's so ridiculous, but it is fun. We like it. I'll finish the season. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, just wait, Dan. It gets so much better. I'll finish it. I probably will watch a season two, but I'm going back to Slow Horses after that. Oh, I mean, Slow Horses, I'm waiting. What is it, Thursdays, the next episode? That is a good show. This yep. is something else. Now Wyatt's going to have to watch this. Because he's cracking up over there. I don't even know if this is his genre. I don't know if Wyatt would make it through a single episode of this, to be honest. But you be the judge. I'm not going to tell you that you should never watch it. I'm just telling you I'm not going to watch season two. It's just not going to happen. But I hope you do tune in for a new edition of The Guy Benson Show tomorrow. Same time, same place here on the radio. GuyBensonShow.com for the podcast every day. With that, have a great night. We will talk to you soon. Home stretch as we approach Christmas together on the Guy Benson Show. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com. It's our website. The podcast is free every day. So we talk a lot about Twitter on the show just because it's part of what we do here. I follow a lot of stories there as part of my job. And then, of course, the whole controversy surrounding Twitter and Elon Musk and all of that. But another platform that I use in a much less political way is Instagram. And I did notice a new feature in recent days that has been annoying to me. I didn't bring it up. I didn't mention it at all. But Quiet Wyatt piped up. He was also annoyed 
by, I think, what they're calling Instagram Notes. Wyatt, can you describe Instagram Notes? I still don't quite understand the point. Yeah, guys. So it's just like a a new way, like another story type thing. You know, when you have Instagram Story, and it just you just type something, and it's on the top of your profile or whatever, and other people can see it, and it's only like a few words you could put on. It's almost like a, I guess, a tweet on on Instagram, but I just find it annoying because no one asked for this and you, there's no way I don't think you can get rid of it. So it's just another feature that no one really wants. And it takes up screen space is the thing. Like, not a lot of people are actually participating in it so far from what I can tell. So you have a bunch of people basically boycotting it effectively. Other people are using it. And in some cases, they're making notes about the notes feature to mock notes saying like, what's the point of this? But there's a whole sort of portion of the screen now dedicated to what kind of reminds me of away messages from AOL Instant Messenger, which is a big thing when I was in middle school and high school and maybe college. I actually almost never used it. I wasn't allowed to use it before I was in college. And I just saw how much time was wasted on AOL and the petty games that were played. I guess a lot of that just moved to social media, but it wasn't for me. But when you were gone, rather than looking like you were active, you would put up an away message to say, I'm off to do something BRB, like be right back. Or you would put up a quote, or you would put up something that you thought was funny, or you put up something petty that was really targeted at one person in a passive-aggressive way. These were the games that were played at the time, and I feel like there's maybe shades of that with Instagram notes, but my biggest objection, if people like the new feature and it's something that they find worthwhile, I mean, have at it, go for it. I just don't want to see it. There should be a way where you can just go and like click a little X and it vanishes. It's taking up precious screen space. I don't want to look at it. And there should at least be a way to opt out of seeing it. If you want to opt back in, or occasionally maybe they can remind you, hey, do you want to see Instagram notes? Fine. I just want to be able to get rid of it. But from what I can tell, you can't. So if there's anyone at Instagram, I think it's Meta, the Facebook parent company. If you're listening, we don't really want Instagram notes, or at least make it optional for folks where they can click away. That's all I'm saying. I will, however, especially when I'm killing some time, and because I'm not a TikTok user, I will scroll through Instagram stories, which are little, like, temporary photos or videos or images or messages that people can put up in a different area of Instagram, also separate from Reels, which is their more direct competition with TikTok. And I was scrolling earlier, just, I think, maybe having a little bit of lunch, seeing what people were up to, and I noticed an interesting Instagram story from one cookie producer christine who appeared to be in the middle of a major construction project of some sort at her apartment and it just didn't seem like a normal thing that christine would be doing building some giant thing that just doesn't necessarily strike me as something that's in her wheelhouse so i don't know what the answer to this question is and i almost shudder to ask it but christine you advertised on your social media that something was happening and you were, I guess, or are building something today. I'm not sure how much time you spent doing that versus producing the show. But what is this project? 
Always have to get that little remark in, don't you, Guy? Um, that was actually not me building. That was my husband building, and I snapped a picture of it. Um, that is one of Santa's presents for Miss Megan. Uh, Christmas, uh, I'm sure many parents right now have entered the phase of Christmas where we are now building things. Because what we don't want to happen is come home Christmas Eve and start building late at night. So we're trying right, to overnight. do... Yeah, some of them we have to do, but we're trying to do the big what ones. What is this? This looks big. Whatever it is looks yeah. big. It's a vanity. It's like a huge vanity with like a, a mirror with like the huge light bulbs, like the old school ones. And so the whole thing has to be like put in a, together. Like a star's dressing room back in the day? Kind of. Yep. Yep. Exactly like that. I actually want it for myself. Um, so and then I'm going <laughs> to... You're uh, jealous. You're going to steal it. Actually, probably... Megan, Santa made a mistake. This is for mommy. <laughs> I probably will use it um, <laughs> when I do makeup, but uh, that's one of her bigger ones. So Bobby had to put that together. He actually took off today to help me because Christine has decided, Cookie has decided to be a Christmas elf, not only for Megan, but for a few other kids in the area that need a Christmas more than ever. So I've stretched myself a little thin here, but that's okay. The show will continue. Don't you worry. I got everything mm. under control. So Bobby took a whole day off to construct this thing. How mm -hmm. long is it done? Like, how long did it take? So it's done. I think it took him not too long, maybe an hour, hour and a half. But the problem is there's, like, electrical work that needs to be done. <laughs> so Oh, yeah. Um, he this is complicated. Yeah, he'll be hiding in our bathroom tonight trying to fix that. Uh, I think he crossed some wires wrong. but And then he has a couple little things he needs to build. And then I need him to, ugh, I need him to build something else for another little kid. So, I've like I said, uh, a lot is happening. But it's a Christmas season. It's good. It's all fun, and I just can't wait to see the excitement and the joy on my daughter's face as well as other kids. This well, let's just make sure she's not listening to the home stretch, because that's a pretty big spoiler alert there on several different levels involving Santa, involving what the gift is. But I was going to say, Christine. I was prepared to be very impressed that you were doing this, mm, mm -mm. but now you've admitted that you weren't really part of the process. This is a Bobby thing, so hats off to him. The reason I was going to say it is I am, I would say, uniquely incompetent at this sort of thing. Like, if you want to ask me to write a 15-page essay about something, great. I'll knock that out. It'll be terrific. If you ask me to construct even the most basic piece of ikea furniture for example i just like want to curl up in the fetal position and rock back and forth softly weeping i just i am so so unhandy at things adam makes fun of me all the time for it and i just take it like because i know that i don't really have a response it's like the line from the simpsons where the principal i believe tells a kid that the other children, quote, are right to laugh at you. Like, I deserve <laughs> mockery for how bad I am at this. And I thought maybe, hey, this is maybe an area where Christine is way better than I am. And I was going to give you props, but you have. See, you've done. I'm going to give you props a different way. You have done something that I have become very good at, which is to offload these types of projects onto a spouse who's much better at it. And I think actually derives some pleasure from getting something like this accomplished i don't enjoy the ride at all i just want it done but other people are wired and built differently and it sounds like maybe adam and bobby are those types of people 
and we're the type of people who are good to supervise, let's say, and delegate. I am good at shopping. Let's put it out that way. I get everything that we need. And then I, like you said, I delegate, you know, Megan's wrapping gifts for, for me right now. Bobby's building things for me right now. I even got Judgy Joyce doing some stuff. So it is, um, it's all being handled. And I'm, I'm, would you say I'm handling it pretty well? I, I'm close to losing it, but I'm doing well. Yeah, you had a few wobbly moments on the call earlier where you sounded like you might be kind of on the verge of a breakdown of some sort, but <laughs> you're powering through it. You yes. said that you're very good at doing the shopping, right? So, like, you know, kudos to that, although I will point out that there was the whole mishap in California and the Target order, so you got that oh. straightened out. Like, did this was this vanity at any point in Los Angeles, or did this one no. get shipped to the right place on the first try? <laughs> No, no. And oh, let me just say, because Wyatt just put on the group chat, this is all powered by Mama's Juice. But no, not a glass of Mama's Juice has been had this week because Cookie needs to stay focused. Mm. Maybe that's part of the problem. Maybe you're having these emotional breakdowns because you're like in withdrawal. No, but remember when I got um, really sick when I decided to do dry January? Stuff goes Mm -hmm. bad when I give up the Mama's Juice. It's yeah, the I'm opposite. Just saying. Yeah, see, I'm I'm just saying. I'm not <laughs> recommending anything, but I can sort of imagine you overseeing Bobby. So you've got like a phone in one hand, texting our guests to make sure that they're all confirmed and mm-hmm. making sure that we got the rundown. And in the other hand, you've got a big holiday pour of Mama's juice as you quote unquote help Bobby by questioning what he's doing while not actually really helping. This is the mental image that conjures up. Yes, and in the meantime, I have people coming to my apartment building because I am somebody that, if someone says, like, say, in, like, a Facebook group, like, oh, my gosh, this child, the only thing they want for Christmas is this. They've had a really bad year. I cannot find it. Guess who's going to find it? Bobby says that I'm a dog with a bone. Mm -hmm. I hope that something that he better not just be calling me a dog but i will find it and i will make sure that child has the their their greatest gift so i've been running around trying to help like just kids in need that need stuff so i'm doing that i'm delegating bobby you're Um, like a you're like a gift sleuth you're like sherlock cookie holmes over here it's kind of like booking like you say i need that person i'm gonna try everywhere i can like i will do it so yep Dog with a bone. That's actually a pretty good phrase from Bobby. It's not offensive. It does not have the connotation that you just suggested. I hope you have gotten a bone, by the way, for your dog, Rosie. I would love some proof of life of her. It's been a while here. I'm starting to get concerned. But it seems like uh, it's kind of teetering a little bit here, but you still have a few more days. It's only Wednesday, and Christmas is not till Saturday. Or Sunday. You've got even more days. Christmas Eve is Saturday. Oh, you're good, Christine. You got this. And tonight, after the show, is Megan's Christmas play. She will be playing piano. She will be singing. We get to watch all these little kids perform and pretend that they are doing amazing. Okay, well, that's the spirit. Well, enjoy that. You might need some mama's juice to get through that, honestly. Holiday concerts of little kids, with all due respect. Even I might be looking around. I'd be like, hey, Christine, could I borrow one of those flasks you always talk about? (laughs) 
for that event like the assembly or in the gymnasium or wherever it all takes place. Well, good luck. Uh, perhaps we can check in on how that went. We can get a review from Christine. She'll probably say it was amazing. Just like the recruit is so, so good. Similarly, this concert will be so, so good and impressive. And we'll get perhaps the full report tomorrow during our home stretch on the Thursday edition of the Guy Benson Show. We will talk to you then. Have a great night. Home stretch on the Guy Benson Show. GuyBensonShow.com. Podcast free every day. I'll be on special report tonight with Brett Baer on the panel. Looking forward to that. If you're listening on the broadcast, little Mariah Christmas action coming in from break. And you know what? It's almost a Christmas miracle. It's the 22nd of December, and I'm not sick of that song yet. I have really been careful about my diet of listening to that song. If you don't oversaturate too early, it is a great song, an absolute classic. And I do enjoy it. It's awesome. It's just overplayed. But hearing it, it just had my toe tapping. It brought a smile to my face. Fantastic stuff. Really good Christmas music, unlike what apparently played out at producer Christine's daughter's school last night. So we got an indication that this concert might be a little rough. I guess Christine had seen some of the rehearsal or something like that. So she was nervous about how this would play out. Usually, though, in my experience of having done a bunch of concerts as a kid around Christmas time, although they usually try to make the Christmas songs as ecumenical and non-religious as possible, at least in public school, I think Christine's daughter goes to Catholic school, so it's probably different. But it's a little bit of chaos, and the music teacher is stressed out, but ultimately the kids get up there, and everyone looks cute, and they pull it off, and the parents are all misty-eyed, and it works out. Not last night. Apparently it just it didn't come together last night. And Christine, on the call today, was just absolutely giving, like, two thumbs down just brutal, unsparing reviews to what she witnessed last night from Megan and her classmates at the Christmas concert. And, Christine, I have to say that I thought maybe you were being a little bit harsh. And, you know, let's get in the spirit of Christmas by not dumping on a bunch of nine-year-olds. But then you did send a little snippet, a clip, of part of the show. And, well... I will warn the audience, this clip only plays for about 20 seconds, but it's some tough sledding to get through those 20 seconds. Let's listen together, if we must, to Cut 18. And they just kind of peter out there at the end. I think they were trying to do, what's the musical term, a round, where there are some kids singing one part and other kids singing another part. And the result there was probably not the desired effect, I think, from whoever was putting that together, the the music teacher. And I'm sure Megan was excellent. We're going to say Megan was diligent and on pitch and on point. But collectively, um, yeah. I'll say this. My sister is an elementary music school teacher, and she takes the Christmas winter concert thing very seriously because parents do. 
It's a lot of stress. We hear all about it. She sends us the videos, and ultimately she usually gets the train on the track, and it's good. I'm going to play her that clip later when she arrives uh, for Christmas, and I think that she will probably have nightmares about it, actually. Christine, give us a, a sense of how people were reacting. Paint a picture for us in the room as that concert was playing out. Oh, my. And can I just say something? That was one of the better ones because this concert on. went on for an hour and a half. Oh, no. And it it wasn't getting better. And let me just tell you, once the band came on, nobody knew what they were playing. Nobody had a clue. <laughs> I mean, we're all looking around and we're like, is this a song? <laughs> what, what What's happening? <laughs> They would, and then the teacher would stop it and say, no, 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 we got to start all over. There was a lot of start and stops because oh. he wanted to start over. He looked so stressed. Um, the one person that you don't want at that concert, and I made the big mistake of bringing grandma, is Judgy oh. Joyce. <laughs> I mean, literally, it's in her name. Judgy Joyce, was she judging hard? Oh, I mean... It was no, it, it was loud too. She's like, Oh God, here it goes. Here goes the high pitch. Oh God. Oh gosh. Oh, is this, they, what are they doing? I mean, it didn't stop. And then she would judge the older girl. What is that girl wearing? Is, is the priest falling asleep, Chris? I think the, go look over there. I she sounds, the she sounds like one of the, uh, you know, the like the two cranky old men Muppets, right? Who <laughs> sit up in the balcony and complain and make fun of it. That's Judgy Joyce. And she's trying to make eye contact with me every time a new performance happens. And I refuse to look over at her. I could feel her. And then I started to feel the poking. You know, she's poking me to look like at her. Nudging and I'm like, you no, like, hey, no. get a load of this. <laughs> Bobby's head was just in his hands most of the time. I'm, I'm oh. not making it up. I'm not making it up. It got worse. Um, you, said, you said at one point, Judgy oh. Joyce was laughing uncontrollably, like, Oh, you use the, you use the verb cackle. I mean, but not caring. And I was like, Mom, there are other parents here that are actually enjoying this. Like one parent after came up to me and said, how beautiful was that? And I looked at her and she <laughs> goes, I really almost cried. And I said, yeah, I wanted to say to her, me too, because I'm paying for this. This is a <laughs> private school. I'm paying. And Megan goes to extra band lessons. Oh, and no. The whole car ride guy, I was livid. I mean, I was so angry. And But every time I would critique something, I would turn around in the back and I'd look at Megan and I'd go, but you were amazing. <laughs> like, I would give another criticism. I'm like, but, but you were great. She even knew it. She's like, Mommy, did that even sound good? And I said, not really, no. Megan. You said at one point that it got so bad that just the singing stopped. Like they couldn't even finish a song. The singers quit, collectively quit. It just drifted. And the music was still going and it just drifted and the kids just stopped. Um, and the grades above didn't get better. I'm like, oh, you know what? By the time we get, this is fourth grade. By the time we get to fifth or sixth, it's going to get better. No, no, it didn't. It actually got worse. So <laughs> And having to do I, this for an hour uh, and a half, 90 minutes of this i feel like this stuff should be like 25 30 minutes and you're done yeah and my mother kept reminding me every you know few minutes how long in we were up oh, 45 in 
how much longer do you think we got here? <laughs> and I'm like, well, mom. I, and then there was no program. They never gave us a program. There was no oh, introduction. So, so my mother kept saying, you know, if we had a program, we would see how far along we are. And I'm like, well, mom, we're not leaving until the end. So just hold your flowers, sit there, and when your granddaughter comes over, you tell her she was amazing. Did she even deliver the flowers, or did she very dramatically put them into the garbage can at the performance <laughs> conclusion? Well, no, she delivered the flowers, looked around to the other kids and said, well, <laughs> guess I'm the only grandma here that brought flowers. Oh, like, you know, she couldn't believe it. Oh, oh. A <laughs> big production from Judgy Joyce, too. Oh, gosh. This sounds like a Christmas classic memory. And I have to say, in defense of the kids, when you're talking about elementary school children, if a holiday concert goes off the rails that badly, I don't want to be judgmental or throw anyone specific under the bus, but that is on the adult slash adults in charge of the concert, and that's a preparation issue. Like, I feel like you have to start getting the kids ready for that concert in October, and you just drill ahead every day with the song until everyone knows it. And it sounds like, was this a new teacher or something? Because it seems like the ball was dropped in a major way where if you're paying tuition and stuff like, or even just taxes for public school, parents expect a holiday concert to be not amazing and spectacular, but cute and sort of adorable. And if it's not even really quite approaching that, like it's not cute bad, it's bad bad, ugh, that's, that's not fun. That's not the goal. And think about, you know, people taking off of work to get there, like, just put a little more effort as a teacher into it. I'm not blaming the kids at all. I just don't think they were prepared. I also don't think uh, nine-year-olds should be singing Christmas Canon. I think maybe a little Jingle Bell Rock or, you know, Santa Claus is coming to town. Something that maybe they know so they can really learn how to perform it. Uh, that is why, Guy Benson, I think that I'm going to volunteer my services and take over the Christmas concert next no. year. No, no. I what? mean, it, it sounds like it was not good, but... For the love of God, we don't need this to get any worse. I mean, I think that the performance would be extremely bad. You're not a musical person, you know, with all love and respect. And I just feel like, if anything, your stress levels. Oh, we know even as class mom, you couldn't even, like, cut it. You couldn't even do the basics as class mom, let alone holiday concert, Christmas concert coordinator. But the stress levels would be off the charts. Like, you'd, you'd probably be in tears yourself reducing the kids to panicked crying. Parents would be very upset. They'd be like, who is that new music teacher? Did I smell, like, booze on her breath? Who is that? I, is that someone's mom? Like, I just feel like this is not a solution for improvement. I agree that improvement is probably necessary. I'm just not sure that is the solution. Maybe you just leave a bad Yelp review <laughs> and let the process take care of itself. I just, I don't know. Let's tap the brakes on this idea, Christine. It was bad. It, but I, I think that I really could make it better. <laughs> I, I, I'm being dead serious. And also, we brought Megan's best friend with us, same age. Uh, she goes to public school. She whispered to me at one point, you pay for this? <laughs> A nine-year-old. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, just kids say the darndest things. And that was a bit of a knife twist. Well, Merry Christmas, I love how our final, because I'm off tomorrow and then next week, our final home stretch ahead of Christmas and of the new year 
is two adults dumping on a children's Christmas concert for how bad it was. <laughs> I wasn't even there. I Look, I'm just reporting the facts based on eyewitnesses. You're the eyewitness, Christine. You pitched the topic. I don't want to get on the bad side of any of these kids or their parents, but, I mean, objectively, the clip that you just sent us, if that was one of the better clips, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Merry and Christmas, like said, kids. Not- Try to do better next year. Try to do better. And especially if it's, you know, the teacher who's the problem, like, would you send a little anonymous note to the school being like, hey, like, what the hell was that? Uh, I wouldn't make it anonymous. <laughs> I put my you name just on send it. Them the, let's put the segment, like, online. And you can just send them the link. You can send them the link to today's <laughs> podcast. Like, just listen to the home stretch. Love, Cookie. Merry Christmas. And just see what happens. Maybe not. But can I just say one thing? Megan yes. did do a nice job. She really did. I, she does have a nice How do you voice. know? I, I, I'm just saying it to save face for myself. Sound like a bunch of screeching cats out there. I mean, it'd, it'd be hard to differentiate someone doing a good job versus a bad job in that chaos. But given that she is a conscientious child, I would expect that she was probably prepared and doing her best, perhaps unlike some others. And again, this is a preparation issue that's not on the eight and nine-year-old kids. I will reiterate that in the spirit of Christmas. And on that note, <laughs> we're out of time. As I said, we'll have some great new programming next week. Guest hosts, I'll be back in the new year. Since I am not here for the rest of 2022, I just want to say it has been a record-setting year here at The Guy Benson Show in a lot of ways. I am so grateful to our bosses at Fox. We talked recently about my new contract extension. I'll be sticking around for several more years, which I'm very honored and, and excited about that. We've got fantastic leadership here at Fox News Radio, John and Maria and everyone else who make this show possible and give us a lot of autonomy and let Christine remain employed and all sorts of stuff. I'm very grateful to them. Our team here at the show, close-knit, tight-knit group, a small, trim fighting machine, just the four of us, with Dan, who runs the board, our engineer, and puts up with a lot of moving parts all the time. Wyatt, who's down here with me in D.C., Quiet Wyatt, War Wyatt, YY the Clown, all the nicknames, you know many of them and more. And, of course, producer Christine Cookie, who puts up with a lot from me in particular. And it's always in good fun. I am so proud of this team. I am so grateful to this team. I'm thankful to my family, to my husband, to my friends who are so supportive of me and this show. And it takes a lot every day, and I travel a ton. I know it's a lot. And it's always good, especially around Thanksgiving and toward the new year, to take inventory and be grateful and express that gratitude. So I just wanted to do that here in our closing moments. And last but certainly not least, thank you, this audience. Without the audience, the show doesn't exist. Without the audience, Fox News isn't a success. It's you guys. And we do a different type of radio show here than what you hear across the dial in a lot of political talk. And for those of you who are helping this show grow and be different and lean into that, we are just incredibly thankful. And we are very excited for a big new year ahead in 2023 with the big political Super Bowl 2024 presidential election, of course, looming on the horizon. So raise a glass. I know, Christine, you probably have several to 2022. It's been an incredible year here on the broadcast, and we are looking forward to much more success and big things in the new year with your help. Merry Christmas. 
Happy New Year, and to all a good night on The Guy Benson Show. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Pull up a chair and join me, Rachel Campos Duffy. And me, former U.S. Congressman Sean Duffy, as we share our perspective on the discussions happening at kitchen tables across America. Download from the kitchen table the Duffy's at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you download podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.